0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the WHIP studio for episode two of The Cone Zone. There was some amazing football this past weekend. My team, the Patriots, came out with a win and they're going to the Super Bowl. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk hoops with Ray Dunn, a good friend. He's going to come in and tell us everything that we would ever need to know about the NBA right now. So we're going to bring him on. But first, Marty, take it away. All right, this is, uh, this is an oldie. But, uh, well, it's an oldie where I come from. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? All right, Ray, welcome into the... Whip Studio for the Cone Zone episode two. You're making your debut on the brand new podcast. How do you feel? Welcome.
1: Wow, I'm I'm blessed to be here. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, actually, since I was so honored about being on, I have some special shout outs to give out. And I, I want to start with the first guest ever on this show, John Eliano. A uh, special shout out to him. The Saints winning by three touchdowns this weekend, and the Chiefs winning in overtime. Uh, fantastic takes, always on his part. I also want to shout out Buzz Wilson, uh, because I beat him to getting onto this podcast. Uh, Where's your invite, Buzz? Uh, Andy Reid, (laughs) for reminding me of my childhood this weekend, being so close to a Super Bowl and not getting there. New overtime rules of football, so much better to mansplain that than mansplaining RPOs. Uh, The Morgan Hall Wind Tunnel, for reminding me why I wanted to go south for college. (laughs) The Sixers, for the Markel Fulst, is still existing per sources update. And my mom, for listening, only because she wants to hear my voice. I know you're not going to appreciate any of this, but shout-out to you.
0: Ray, some some really incredible shout-outs there. Thank All you. Each one better than the last, but I have to say the best was John Eliana Last week came on this very podcast and said, the Saints have beaten the Rams by three touchdowns, and the Chiefs are going to beat the Patriots. And did either of those things happen? No, neither no. one of those happened. O for 2, John. Very difficult scene there. We're looking forward to having you back on the podcast, John. But O for 2 on predictions on this podcast. We will keep that record going, though. We're going to make some future predictions with them. And
1: I'm sure I'm going to whiff just as badly. (laughs) Unless John asks, in which case I was perfect on this show.
0: But, Ray, we're here to talk hoops. So let's get right into it. It's been kind of a weird year this year. Uh, There's been some teams that look better than they have in the past. There's been some teams that look worse than they have in the past. There's been some teams that started off really well, and now they look like trash. And there's teams that look like trash in the beginning, and now they look awesome. It's been interesting. So, first question. If you were to say that you are high on one team and are not sold on another... Who are you
1: going with? Okay, I'm high on the Raptors, and I just want to right some wrongs from the beginning of the season because I wanted to be, you know, like trendy or whatever, I wanted a little, little bit of difference in my uh, basketball predictions. And looking for uh, parity in the NBA is like looking for snow on tropical islands. It just doesn't <laughs> happen. Uh, so I tried to say the Raptors were going to be taken out in the first round, and I'm not going to say by which team because it's a really terrible, <laughs> terrible look right now for me. Uh, but I want to write my wrongs on that one. The Raptors, Kawhi is legit. Uh, he's back. I, I think I kind of doubted how well he would be after that year or so hiatus with the Spurs where he was hurt. I'm putting air quotes around hurt. Don't really know what's going on there. Um, Pascal Siakam. 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 Si- Siakam. I can never Pascal say Pascal Siakam. 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 I was practicing it before because I knew I was going to bring him up, and I still, <laughs> I still butchered it. Um, he's been incredible. That that team is built with depth, and it's in a wide open conference. So I would not be surprised. I'm not going to start throwing out predictions this early, but I'm not, <laughs> don't get crazy we're now. They're going to be playing deep into into the uh, postseason. I am very high on that team right now, and a team I'm not very high on on the other side. Very quietly, the four seed in the West, the Portland Trailblazers. I just. There's it just feels like false legitimacy right now. I just don't think that they are going to stick around that long. Obviously, Damian Lillard, fantastic point guard. If he played in the East, he'd be an All Star every year. Um, would probably get more, more love, just because he he's in a conference with so many superstar point guards. He doesn't get as much attention. Uh, however, I just don't. I think that team's on their first round exit.
0: Uh, both great points. Uh, let's start with the Raptors. The Raptors coming into the season looked as they always have. Uh, You know, they're going to be the three seed, they're going to be the four seed, they're going to be whatever, they're going to be two seed. They're at the top of the East, but they're not anything crazy. This year, they've really proven themselves. Kawhi Leonard has stepped up. Pascal Siakam, as you mentioned, he's looked, he played out of his mind in Kawhi's absence. So the Raptors, uh, standing at the two seed right now in the East, Look really strong, and if they can continue on this trend, look like they can maintain the East. And the East is getting tougher with uh, the Bucks, the Pacers, the 76 and the Celtics uh, riding high with them at the at the first five spots in the East. There there could be some interesting battles. Obviously, they can't hang with the guys in the West, but you know it's it'll be interesting to see the way it plays out in the early rounds of the playoffs. To your point about the Trailblazers, I mentioned mentioned this to you earlier. The Trailblazers to me feel like a very silent four seed. They've looked solid this year. Uh, As they always do, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are arguably one of the best backcourts in the NBA right now. But it almost feels like it's the same thing every year. The Trailblazers are that middle-of-the-pack playoff team that has a first-round exit. So I'm not going to get crazy and make any predictions, although I am, that the Trailblazers are going to be out in the first round of the playoffs. They're going to make it, but they're going to lose. Who they play could kind of depend on where the Rockets land and if the Lakers can find their way back with uh, with LeBron coming back to help the Lakers and join forces, kind of get them back into the playoff contention, which I'm hoping happens. But to me, it's just another time for the Trailblazers to get knocked out early in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think Nurkic, to me, I as much as we love McCollum, I, I love being a local Lehigh guy. Uh... <laughs> Just, I've always loved McCollum and the way he's, you know, like the 3 and D prototypical type guy. He hasn't had a fantastic season this year. I think uh, Nurkic certainly um, outperformed him, probably the second best player on the Trailblazers right now. And I think he's a big reason why they've been so successful this season. You know, actually having a front court presence ever since Marcus Aldridge left. They've kind of needed someone there to stabilize them. And I want to quickly throw this out there before we get into any other uh, snake talk in the NBA. Aldridge is the first snake um, it's only bigger because Durant went and joined a seventy three win team. Aldridge was <laughs> quite the snake in how he went about exiting Portland. However, I, I agree with you on the Portland take. It's their first round exit. I I think there's nothing really special about this team, especially being in the West. It, you need more talent than what they have to compete. It's they're an average they're an average West team, which means they'll finish somewhere between. I don't think they're sticking in the four. They'll finish somewhere between six to eight and be bait for whoever uh, Mm -hmm. ends up a top three seed in the West.
0: Now, Ray, I know you're a huge analytics guy.
1: Big analytics guy.
0: Big numbers guy. But personally, what I love to watch for in the NBA is trends and how they kind of play out throughout the season. Where teams look early on and where they fall. Prime example, the Celtics coming in and looked amazing in their first game looked like trash for the first third portion of the year and kind of bouncing around and where they're going to land so that's something that i love to kind of look out for so right now if you look in the eastern conference you have uh the bucks the raptors the pacers the 76ers the celtics the brooklyn nets the heat and the hornets and over in the West, you have the Warriors, Nuggets, Thunder, Trailblazers, Rockets, Spurs, Jazz, and Clippers in that order.
1: Before we get anywhere, are you excitedly saying the Brooklyn Nets because you're a Boston guy and you're so glad that uh, your your <laughs> franchise committed highway robbery on the Brooklyn Nets a few years ago?
0: I'm glad to see the Nets are kind of gaining themselves some confidence and getting back into playoff contention after the Celtics robbed them blind. But it is cool to see a team like the Nets, who has really been the almost the, the laughing stock of the East for a number of years... Find this young group, uh, this this talented young group, to build something off of in the next couple of years. They could find themselves in the top four.
1: Yeah, I think right now, uh, where their players are in their stages of development, this is pretty much a team of role players. It's a lot of guys that, if they were, you know, not number ones on a team, they would be, uh, they'd be formidable pieces on any of the top five teams, really in the East. Uh, obviously D'Angelo Russell is kind of kind of the headline guy there, but he headlines a great group of playmaking guards, Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that team loves to give the Sixers trouble because the Sixers can't stop playmaking
0: guards. Yeah. Um, they have a little bit of a quarterback controversy with Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell, both the point guard position, uh, and kind of trying to figure out how they want to use them. But that team is definitely a little bit like the uh, the Phoenix Suns with a lot of young talent, but in the West, the Phoenix Suns are the last seed. And in the East, the, uh, the Nets are the sixth seed. Uh, so I have a question for you Ray but absolutely go
1: ahead uh, I was just gonna say one of the things I love about the nets is like they're the big men they have aren't exactly gonna be prototypical like seven fours are pull reads. Really that's a lot of like the high energy type uh, big rebounders who kind of work around the net um, obviously Ronda Hollis Jefferson a local guy to this area uh, grew up Chester uh, Ed Davis was someone I wanted the sixers to try and target in free agency uh, grant if they didn't get a star which they didn't um, I thought he would be a formidable player backup center. He's having a decent season. They got a lot of guys that I, I don't want to use the lunch pail thing, but it it's it is kind of the lunch <laughs> no, pail right, thing where right. it's it's not flashiness. It's more just it screams Jared Allen. It, yeah, that does scream Jared Allen. I, Jared Allen puts, you know, highlight reel block after highlight reel block yep. out night and night and night again. Which is funny, night in and night out, that they don't get like as much love unless it's a Jared Allen block because being a sixth seed in the East this soon after the franchise was decimated by Danny Ainge is something impressive.
0: Uh, okay, so very quick. I told you that the Bucks are the one seed in the East with Raptors in a close second, and the Warriors are the one seed. Just moving into that spot after routing the Nuggets by 30 points the other night, and the Nuggets fell to the two seed. When it's all said and done, who are your one seeds in the East and the West?
1: Uh, well, I mean... Why would I bet against the Golden State Warriors at this point? I mean, they've been without Curry, and they're still uh, at the top spot. They just got DeMarcus Cousins back. He looks like he's going to be big for them. I mean, he doesn't look like he's, he's going to be big for them. That's just who he is. The Warriors are like the Monstars if they had Michael's secret stuff. Uh, this this team should be the one seed. If they're not, it's because they've matured and realized that the playoffs are what matters in this sport and not you know the regular season. So I think there'll be a one seed there. I think the Raptors hold on to the one seed over in, in you think the East. Take I, it? I, this, is, this is kind of chalk right now for me, just saying that the one seeds right now are going <laughs> to hold on. But I just think the Raptors are so deep compared to the rest of the teams in the East that they're going to be able to hold on, and the Warriors. Uh, like, I
0: mean, We've uh, talked uh, a lot in the, around <laughs> WHIP these past couple of days about betting against the Dynasty. LeBron in the playoffs, you can't do it. The Patriots and Tom Brady in the Belichick era in the playoffs, you just can't do it. It doesn't make any sense. There's no rhyme or reason. They just find a way to pull it out. So as much as I've wanted to say this year that the Warriors are towards the end of that dynasty era with all the internal conflict and the way this team's playing and you know not trying night in, night out and having these kind of bad losses for this Warriors team, at the end of the day... Steph Curry can still hit 10 threes, Klay Thompson can still hit 10 threes, Kevin Durant can still put up 45, and Draymond Green can still find a way to stay active.
1: Yeah. I, I think part of the reason why the Warriors haven't been as good, obviously you mentioned Curry's been hurt, but Klay Thompson hasn't had a great season. Uh he's uh career worst in three-point percentage, career worst defensive rating. So he that, you know, the 3 and D mold that he's prided himself on that he's supposed to get a big contract uh off of so far really hasn't been there for him and it's kind of masked because you've got Kevin Durant, you've got Draymond Green who really hasn't had that great of a season, but so much happens when you have Steph Curry who can just go nuclear on a team within a stretch of five minutes uh, that when he kind of commands more of the attention with him out, obviously Thompson hasn't been as great. Draymond Green has kind of been exposed a bit and even with that they're still the first scene in the West Like Thompson hasn't figured it out and Draymond hasn't had his best season, and Cousins has been out. And but they still Curry's win been, games, and they still figure it. It's incredible that just what they are right now, and maybe in the off season, yeah, Durant flees to Philadelphia because me and him are going to become buddies. <laughs> uh, but regardless, right now, it's it's impossible for me to say the Warriors take a seat. There's someone to uh, dethrone you.
0: Well, before you and Bo- uh, you and Boogie become good friends. I want to talk about the one big conversation that we've definitely had before and we're going to have again because I think it is so utterly important. And it's pretty much all I talk about when it comes to hoops going to school in Philadelphia. So the Celtics and the Sixers seem to be the two teams that on paper should be higher seeding than they are. I mean, they're the four and the five, which is still solid and in the playoff race. But the Sixers and Celtics seem to be lacking almost an identity. And they've been very up and down this year. When you look at the Sixers coming into this year, they didn't have Jimmy Butler, and they weren't winning games start the season. And Joel Embiid said himself that the Sixers and Celtics was not a rivalry. The Celtics coming in this year, Bill Simmons said it best, the Celtics are going to win 67 games. And they are now out of the running for winning 67 games. So You hate to see it. <laughs> So, Ray, I have to ask, who are the Sixers and what are the Celtics?
1: The Sixers are a top-heavy team who, uh, who's – Recent draft failures and failures of executives who have come since the Hinky era um, have really made this bench shallow and without much substance left to compete against some of the higher up teams, the teams above them in the standings. And I think there's a reason why you're looking at the Sixers are looking up at the Raptors and the Sixers are looking up at the Bucks, even though the Bucks aren't fantastic. They're still deeper than the Sixers, and I think why the Sixers can't compete with the Celtics, even if the Celtics can't figure it out with all their talent, there's just so much more talent there right now. And Yeah, you can say, I know that the buzz has been three top 25 guys, and that's great for this season. That's absolutely fantastic. Get your three top 25 guys. but Having Butler here has made the Sixers a better team. There's no doubt about that. And as he grows in this offense and figures things out and keeps yelling at Brett Brown, everything will get better. But, it's going to take bringing him back and then bringing in pieces around kind of the way that has been made famous by LeBron, bringing those minimum, uh, veteran minimum guys who can contribute to a winning team, and building that bench that's going to set the Sixers up for success in the future. Because this season, if it, if the season ended today and there was Sixers-Celtics in the first round, the Celtics win that four or five
0: games. Uh, Ray, you represent your Sixers team very well. I want to tell you my take on the Celtics. Because if you look at their lineup, they should, without a doubt, be the one seed. Without a doubt. They're overwhelmed with talent. And coming into this season, they essentially have a new team. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals handedly, and they took LeBron James to seven games and then fell. I love who
1: you say LeBron James, because you're so <laughs> right about that.
0: They <laughs> did not take the Cavaliers. <laughs> they took LeBron. So, the Celtics team looks like they should be amazing. So, what's the problem? Well, the Celtics have, obviously these things take time. If you look at LeBron's first Cavaliers team, uh, kind of then going to Miami, coming back to Cleveland, now he's in L.A., teams around the the league with a lot of talent takes time. When the Miami Heat put together LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh on the court together, they started off the season very poorly. So, I didn't lose faith. When the Celtics started the season off poorly, I thought this these things take time, and Brad Stevens, who has shown time and time again that he's a very good coach, he can kind of corral these guys in and make it what he wants it to be. But to me, the Celtics are still kind of connecting those pieces. I think they've they're at the point where they've found that starting lineup because a lot of the talk was at the beginning of the season it was they don't have the lineup. They, they need to win games. They were putting out their five best guys, and that's Kyrie, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, uh, Marcus Smart. Now, or Jalen Brown in place of Marcus Smart, kind of depending on the night and who they're playing. Now they're throwing out Kyrie, Marcus Smart, uh, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, and Al Horford. And to me, to have Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown come off the bench is invaluable it is huge for the Celtics if they can make it work and they can get these pieces to work together. So as Kyrie has stated in the past week or so, it's about bringing these young guys together, getting everybody to buy in and play well together. Because It's not easy when you have a young team.
1: Yeah, Kyrie becoming the guy uh, has been fun to watch uh, because his frustrations mirror that of LeBron's, and I think that's been played well in the media Um I think the Celtics especially, when you talk a lot about their talent about finding the right combination, I just think it's so much of they jumped out to so much unprecedented success last season. Uh Jason Tatum, he's taken a step back this year. We can talk about inside agent Kobe Bryant. <laughs> I don't wanna
0: to, I don't wanna get into the whole Lakers Celtics drama that Kobe destroyed Jason Tatum. It's but. a
1: great conspiracy theory. Uh I should honestly make a whole half. It's true. I'm here it. for. I'm I'm here
0: for. Yeah. it. he's the reason. But right. we don't have to get into it.
1: Kobe gave Tame uh, the Mamba mentality of being inefficient. But regardless, um, I think yeah, it takes time, like you said, with these these types of teams, and the Celtics are better for it. It's better to work these things out now than have it you know rear its ugly head when you actually ha- are playing on the biggest stage. And I think a lot of that. Happened with the Sixers at the end of end of last season, especially in that playoff series where they had issues, but they won 16 straight games then the season, and everyone was like, "Well, book them in at least into the conference finals." And then you know, the inefficiencies in spacing, the efficiencies here and there with with that uh, offense, kind of caught up to them. And I think the Celtics now have been able to see what lineups work together. And Brad Stevens, like you said, great coach. Got to give him credit as much as it hurts. Um, I think this team is definitely positioned for success I mean Kyrie is still a killer I, I don't know how many lives he's got in terms of injuries but he's been fantastic he's shooting 41 percent from three on the season over 23 points a game he, he and he's is, arguably one
0: of the most coached players in the NBA yeah
1: he is the guy he's it, yeah he is one of the guy one of the probably top five guys if I needed someone to take a shot in the last minute. And I'm sure I can go look up the stats on who I'd actually want to take that <laughs> shot, but exactly the analytics tell me I want Kyrie uh taking that shot, and then obviously the depth behind him you know you got guards Marcus smart um Jalen Brown, Terry Regier, like all those guys you you can name off four guards just behind uh Kyrie that are able to serviceably guard other teams' um guards and serviceably play play in that offensive system. So I don't see I, – I really don't see the flaws so far with Celtics. So, I mean, I mean, I see the flaws so far with them with trying to figure everything out, but I don't see the flaws that are going to stop them from being a team that at least makes it to the conference finals.
0: Now, Ray, I'm going to let you make the call here. Uh, you've heard this once or twice. Sixers fans everywhere think that this is a freezing cold take. Should I – do you want to get into my Sixers – feelings as if I were put in the position of GM, why I think the Sixers could be a top-two team in the East if they handled things a little differently. Yeah,
1: I do want to do this. All right, let's, I want do to do
0: this. This. let's do this quickly. So the Sixers are a strong team. I was very, very hesitant of buying into this Jimmy Butler trade when it first happened because... Jimmy Butler essentially took everything from the Sixers that they had that I felt was helping them be a solid team. And that was their depth in the NBA now. That was Robert depth. Covington. <laughs> All right, Ray, I forgot to do this at the start of the show. I'm going to give you one take. You get one Robert Covington take. Hit me with it.
1: We were at the Timberwolves-Sixers <laughs> game, and the Sixers dropped 149 points. Who wasn't playing for the Timberwolves? Robert Covington. Robert Covington is
0: the reason the Sixers are what they are. But yeah, Exactly. <laughs> But the Sixers. So back to this Jimmy. Uh, back to this Jimmy Butler trade. He, I think, as I've watched him play, has only enhanced the Sixers team because on paper he only helps Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid playing in the post as a guy that can score at will against almost anyone in the league when he's working from the block and in the post. To have somebody like Jimmy Butler on the wing to kick out to is incredible and he draws a lot of attention inside so then to be able to kick the ball out is awesome ben simmons the narrative with him is that he can't shoot but i'm here to tell you ray that ben simmons does not need a three-point shot Mm -hmm. he doesn't need it to be a successful nba team you do not need ben simmons to be able to shoot the three there is somebody else in this league that has made a living off not being able to shoot a three but he's been able to shoot a 15 footer and that man is demar derozan I believe that Ben Simmons can be a better DeMar DeRozan.
1: So I see your point with that. Obviously, Ben Simmons, or at least obviously in my eyes, Ben Simmons, a better passer than DeMar DeRozan. Um, kind of the all-around success, and that might be what gets the Sixers further than those Raptors teams. But at the end of the day, those Raptors teams never could get over the hump. And now this year they have a second guy. Well, not he's he's the main guy there, uh, Kawhi, playing with Kyle Lowry even though they broke up the bromance of Lowry and DeRozan you can't deny that that team is better and Leonard just spaces the floor better there I think especially with this Sixers team and I mean I know I know what you're going to say like he, he Ben Simmons can be a successful player in this league without a jump shot and that's true I think for this Sixers team to go over the hump and take this thing to the next level he needs maybe not a three point shot but definitely I mean being an Alex guy it's a three point shot I don't want him taking long twos However, uh, and to go along with that, I think he needs to be able to take a three-point shot just for the pure spacing. It becomes difficult, especially with the starting lineup they're employing now. Wilson Chandler could make 15 consecutive threes, and I'm still not rushing out there to go uh, block that three-pointer because I just don't believe that much. And quietly, I think he he is shooting very nicely from the field. Uh, Where are we looking at? Wilson Chandler. Yeah, apparently he's shooting 38% with the Sixers this year, which is ridiculous because I, I really don't think of him as that great of a shooter. But Ben Simmons just being able to space the floor, you need a you need a guard that can space the floor, and eventually Reddick's not going to be a Sixer. Shamit, whatever you think of him, could be the guy that replaces him. But he, he's one he's a one trick pony. You know that. I've heard you say this over and over again. He's a one trick pony. Ben Simmons, if he could round out his game with a jump shot, the Sixers legitimately have the floor spacing and the uh, capabilities of passing the ball to become the most dynamic offense in the entire league next to the Warriors.
0: Ray, everything you said is correct, but this is where I'm gonna bring some spice at you. Love it. I'm gonna bring the heat. The reason that I think the Sixers are not utilizing their talents well is because I believe that TJ McConnell is a starting point guard in the NBA. And I think that for the Sixers to improve, I think the Sixers have the potential to improve as a team if they move TJ McConnell to your starting point guard, Ben Simmons to your three, you have Jimmy Butler at the two and then Joel and Wilson Chandler at the four and five because I think that T.J. McConnell does an awesome job of working an offense, and he can average eight or nine assists a game if he really puts in the work from the point guard position. And you put Jimmy on the wing as an incredible three-point shooter and a guy that can take you off the dribble. You put Wilson Chandler, you just said he's shooting 38%. You could put him at the other wing and let Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid run a high-low game because all Ben Simmons needs to do is be a threat from 15 feet. Just that all he needs is a mid-range game to be a threat because he can take guys off the dribble – or he can jab, step, step back, and hit a jump shot while Joel Embiid likes to work inside. Personally, I think that offense, that front five, has a lot of potential with a little shift in uh, position play.
1: Uh, I, so I see your point with the high-low uh, game there. I really don't—I love T.J. McConnell. Let's, let's, don't get me wrong here. Big T.J. McConnell
0: Everybody guy. here at the Cone Zone in WHIP is just falling in love with T.J. McConnell more and more as days go by.
1: However, I don't think he's a starting point guard in the NBA. I, <gasps> I, 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 have to gasp. I know it's it's tough, tough. You know the the competition of brand and uh, my sanity here. <laughs> I just think he he has obviously shown that he can. He's talented passing the ball, but I really don't see him being able to guard other teams' league guards. I mean, you look at some of the second unit guys who uh, second unit guards that the Sixers have played and they've just torn the Sixers apart. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is the one that comes to mind first. Uh, I know Lou Williams, when they played, he had a nice game. He's not able to guard you really in the half-court game, as opposed to he gets that one steal game where he goes full court and catches the other team off guard and gets the steal, and the entire Wells Fargo Center erupts, <laughs> and everybody's screaming, out, oh, TJ, TJ. But, he also is more of a one-trick pony when it comes to offense too. His scoring ability is that fadeaway jumper. It's it's he really limits. I think he limits also your spacing because he's not going to take a three. He's had p- plenty of open looks this season where he dribbles, and it's not a story because the number one overall pick from twenty seventeen is not playing, and the number one overall pick from twenty sixteen definitely does not want to shoot a three. So nobody's going to talk about the really the third point guard on this team, who doesn't want to shoot. I do. I see. I'll go back to your Simmons and Bede. I think that's a possibility of you playing high-low with the two of them when it's confirmed that Simmons is a jump shot. Because right now, he, everyone yeah, he needs the conference. Everyone's going to sag work. off. It's not there of him. yet. for Everyone's sure. going to sag off, and that's one of the great things the Celtics have done. Just sag off him, and for lack of a better term. Term, shoot the ball, you coward.
0: (laughs) Yeah, when it comes down to it, you are saying the Celtics are really finding their their niche and getting better as the days go by. Uh, You know, all these headlines about Kyrie becoming, you know, obviously he's a pure offensive threat, and he's improved his defense a lot this year. On the other hand, Marcus Smart, the core and heart of Boston's defense, can now shoot the three ball. When guys that brand themselves on one thing can find a second thing to do, it elevates a team to a whole nother level. Imagine if J.J. Redick could do anything, literally anything other than come off a screen and toss up a shot. It goes in. He's he's amazing at it, but we talked about he's, it before. He's
1: perfected his, his job there. Uh, as for everything else, defense, we don't even need to go there. Um,
0: guys, in the, guys in the NBA can adjust and evolve to things like this because if you watch Joe Embiid set a pick— and J.J. Redick come off it, I wonder what's going to happen. I have absolutely no clue where the ball's going to go or what's going to happen. I would bet money J.J. Redick is getting that ball and he's going to toss up a shot. If I'm a defender, I'm just putting my hand out or I'm hedging off that screen.
1: Yeah, I, I really hate roller coasters, which is why I hate watching when J.J. Redick does anything but shoot the ball off that screen. Because the the layups, you, you have no idea where that thing's going. The touch could either be picture perfect or it could be off-the-glass into the stands or uh, you know, get blocked or when he dribbles just right off his foot. If he doesn't shoot off that screen, things start to break down rather quickly.
0: Now, Ray, we're slowly running out of time, but I will say that I think it's a bit of poetic justice that you and I spent most of this episode talking Sixers Celtics. And Ray, we're obviously going to have you back on to talk more hoops as the season progresses. So I'm going to wrap us up with you know, I didn't get to almost everything that I had wanted to talk about because Absolutely. we could talk. I think you and I could talk about Sixers Celtics, you know, for the rest of the night. But um, a, you are a big analytics guy, as we said before, huge mm-hmm. stats guy. So we're gonna end with two statistics. I, I want
1: to shout out Addison Huntsker for that one, by the way. I think I think he's the one really got me on that, and the fact that I haven't said it yet that uh, he's probably gonna be insulted that I'm getting the credit as a huge analytics guy, <laughs> the data analysis and statistical science major, Addison Hunsker.
0: So first one. James Harden, who we've agreed on that is in content- is definitely in contention, and we both have James Harden as our pick He's for He's my MVP. MVP. He is our MVP, is the second player to score 55 points in back-to-back games. The only other player to do that is Wilt Chamberlain. So it begs the question, what's Harden's ceiling for scoring this season? Can he get 81? Can he get even close to 100?
1: I'm ahead to the Sixers-Rockets game following the—I'm dating this podcast, but—
0: you know what? I can do that. That's a-ok.
1: Uh, I'm going to this uh, Sixers Rockets game after this. If he drop, if he's going to drop 82, it's going to be against the Sixers. I can just already feel it. Uh, I think his scoring ceiling. I think we're going to see a 60 point game. Uh, I think the ceiling probably falls. If I'm an odds maker, 64 and a half would be the, the highest I would ever give for um, like you know, the ceiling of a point total in it in a game this season.
0: I think you're right. I think he can definitely get close to that 70 mark, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen without Chris Paul yeah. on the team. And Chris Paul expected to come back late January, more likely early February. Uh, once he comes back, uh, the a little bit of the load is going to be taken off of James Harden's shoulders. So
1: Harden's still going to end up averaging close to 32, 33 points per For game sure. this season. And it's incredible because that team is horribly average without him, especially in the West. They would be getting beaten up. And even with Chris Paul, Chris Paul did not have a great start to the season, Uh, starting to show the wear and tear of 14 years in the NBA, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. They knew what they were getting themselves into in the trade, which makes last year's not finishing the job off all the worse, because you can see that window is there right now for this team, and Capella going down certainly doesn't help.
0: Exactly. and. Last, but certainly not least, in Boogie Cousins' debut the other night, he posted 14 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists in just 15 minutes of play in his first game back with the Golden State Warriors. So it begs the question again, how impactful can Boogie be on this team? Do you think he'll help them, or will he hurt them?
1: Oh, he's absolutely going to help them. Uh, I said earlier, they're, they're the Monstars with Michael's special stuff. They are going to win that Western Conference. They... Already we're going to do that without DeMarcus Cousins, and now he shows up, and he's just a force. He's an animal. I've always loved Boogie. Uh, the attitude, just the way he plays the game, I think they're much better for it. He's a force all the way from the perimeter out into the basket. And I know we're running out of time, so I just want to go quickly off script here for one thing. Uh, I'm starting the hashtag free Kemba movement.
0: <laughs> Elaborate, please.
1: Uh, we need Kemba anywhere but Charlotte because that market, uh, combined with the way that team's built by some of your guys, goat, uh, absolutely unacceptable for a player of Kemba's ability. So, hashtag free Kemba. Uh, if you got great suggestions for where you can go, please let me know because we're freeing Kemba this off season.
0: Ray, you got to shout out your Twitter if we're gonna start some hashtags.
1: Okay, uh, at RadonBTB. B uh, T B. So yeah, just let me know as the
0: Where do you stand on this free Kemba debate? <laughs> he has to be freed. This offseason he has to be free. The freed. man needs to get out of Loyalty
1: there. doesn't exist when you play in a market that doesn't get any coverage and your team's eighth in the Eastern Conference. Get him out of there.
0: So, one final note is that the Warriors definitely don't need Boogie Cousins. The addition of him is an absurdity because they won the championship handedly without Boogie Cousins. And now they're bringing in a guy who last season was a top 20 and arguably top five big man in the league. Uh, to bring him in is unfair, almost, as you said, Michael's secret stuff. So, Ray, that's just about all the time we have for today. Any final thoughts, thoughts looking forward? It's been a crazy NBA season, man.
1: It really has. And I said the whole thing about parity, and that's true. Uh, I just also want to start this. The Pacers won the Paul George trade. Paul George is an incredible talent, but Russell Westbrook's going to stop that team from ever doing anything serious in the playoffs.
0: Ending with some spice. I like it. All right, Ray. Thank you for coming on. That has been episode two of The Cone Zone. Join us next week. Maybe we'll talk some college hoops, a little prep before the Super Bowl.
1: This was the worst possible scenario for me. Honestly, <laughs> I gotta listen to more Sean McVay, and then I gotta listen to more Brady Goat. Oh, you geez. might have to
0: listen to me if we talk more Super Bowls. Oh, uh,
1: let's go back to basketball. But Ray,
0: thank you for coming on. Love to talk hoops. That has been episode two, ladies and gentlemen. Have the best day ever,
1: and go vote Nikola uh, Jokic for um, the All Star Game.